Satan. Going to say some words, opening words together, so do join in with me in saying these words. Call all the labourers, O God. Call your labourers who woke early. Call your labourers who came late. Call your labourers who feel wronged. Call your labourers who feel overlooked. Call your labourers who can't feed their children with this wage. Call your labourers who know they are working in your fields. Call your labourers who use their wage to increase your love. Call all your labourers, O God. Tell us to roll up our sleeves, for we know that we have work to do. Let us find you in the work we share here and now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we also pray the prayer of preparation together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. So we confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Praying together. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have wandered and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things that we ought to have done. And we have done those things that we ought not to have done. But there is no help in us. But you, O Lord, have mercy upon us sinners. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to mankind in Jesus Christ our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may live a disciplined, righteous, and godly life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we stand to sing, Give thanks with a grateful heart. It's time to sing together.
And now Pauline's going to come and bring our Bible reading to us. And then Ursula will be, Ursula will be preaching. The reading this morning is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, reading from chapter 20, from verse 1. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for Esther, shall we? Father, we lift Ursula to you and ask that you would use her as she brings your word to us. May we be attentive and may we be obedient to hearing and doing your will in Jesus' name. Thank you, Peter. Good morning, everyone. How many of us, I wonder, cannot help but think this is unfair and have some sympathy with the labourers who were hired and worked the whole day only to feel cheated and perhaps diminished by the pay policy of the landowner. But of course, the landowner did act justly in terms of the contract he'd made. He'd offered them a denarius for the, a day's work, which presumably they gladly accepted. 
and at the end of the working day he fulfilled his part of that agreement. But for those who were hired later in the day, was it just that they had a denarius as well? In the world's eye view, maybe not. But the landowner is quite within his rights to point out that all he had said was that those hired early would be paid fairly for their work. There was no contract about the hours or about other hired workers. And we can't really discern what the motive of the landowner was in this story. Did he see the extreme need of those who had waited all day for work? Were maybe losing any hope that they would earn enough to feed their family that day? And I'm reminded as I think about this situation of those today who are on zero-hour contracts or who wait on street corners to see if they will be chosen for a day's labouring or of migrants being used as cheap or even slave labour. Did the landowner see the loss of dignity and respect that those in the situation that they were left standing felt or the pressures of extreme poverty where they didn't know if they were going to earn enough to feed and keep family that day? Was it compassion that drove him to pay the later hired workers the same amount? Or was it maybe simply because he could and he chose to? As he pointed out to the complaining workmen, he'd fulfilled his responsibilities towards them. And it was in his power to decide what responsibility he had towards those hired later in the day. The power he exercised in this situation was his and his alone. And he certainly acted with legitimate power, tempered as well, perhaps with compassion. The second point to note in regard to this parable, in this story, is that Matthew was writing towards a Jewish audience. And the context he placed it in was that in chapter 19, he closes recounting how the disciples quizzed Jesus. We have left everything. What will our reward be? They ask. And Jesus replies, the first will be last and the last first. And then after our passage, the chapter continues with the mother of Zebedee's sons asking Jesus to give her sons favoured positions in heaven, much to the indignation of the other disciples. Was it to show the 180 degree disparity between worldly and heavenly standards that Matthew bookended our parable with these two accounts of how base, how tempered by selfish gain the disciples' thinking was in terms of ambition and reward. Do we see this, these attitudes reflected by Christian communities over the years and ages, I wonder? Sadly, I think the answer is probably sometimes yes. And instead of being shining examples of a different way to live, often history tells us of how the influence has been the other way and ambition has flourished. And apart from a few shining exceptions that we can think of of Christians who established um, charities, who gave work to the poor, who raised their living standards, the standard and ambition of people down the centuries has been drawn from a worldview distorted by selfishness and desire for position and prominence and even preeminence. Not so with you, Jesus says. The language Matthew uses would have left his Jewish audience in no doubt that the landowner in this story represents God. We are not competing in a race where only the winners are welcomed into the kingdom of God where we can earn our way in. Our place in the kingdom, in God's kingdom, is entirely due to the beneficence, the goodwill and generosity of Almighty God. As John 3, 16 and 17 tell us, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world. It is that the world, through him, might be saved. Is it any wonder, therefore, given the high price that God paid, that our Heavenly Father is looking for as many workers as possible to go out into the fields to gather the harvest in, and how much he values each and every one of these workers, of us. Whether we're of many years standing or newly engaged, he pays the same rate because he paid the same price. So what can we take for this, from this parable today, I wonder, to encourage us in our journey of faith? As I thought about this story, two themes emerged, that of justice and compassion. Both qualities of God that have demanded vast amounts of writing and exploration over the centuries by many thinkers and theologians. And today we can only explore the foothills. But what might those two qualities of justice and compassion have to say to us today? In the Old Testament, the name God of justice includes a Hebrew word that is part of a family of words that includes judge, judgment, and justice. In the Jewish context, judges did not only make legal decisions and pass sentence, they embodied law and justice. It was who they were. And speaking to a people who have strayed from God, we read in Isaiah 30, 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Again, we hear linked these two qualities of justice and compassion. That although we deserve judgment, instead we experience and know the compassion of God. Because of Jesus, we experience justice and compassion through the lens of the new covenant. We know that sins that should demand justice are instead dealt with with compassion. We hear the echo of the words of Jesus on the cross in our hearts. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive us. We have confidence that as we confess our sins, we are forgiven. And so that leads us to grace, the grace of God, God's unmerited grace and favour at work in and through us, because he loves us. Imagine again our scene, people waiting to see if they would work today, earn enough to support themselves, support their families, provide food and shelter, earn enough to pay for their basic needs. Some are employed first thing, and at a decent rate of pay, they're not being taken advantage of. They're being treated with respect and dignity, but others are left. Imagine the feelings of those left behind, not just once, or twice, or three times, but until almost all hope had gone. How many today, I wonder, are in that state, hopeless. Maybe not just because their physical needs are unmet. And what a terrible indictment on our wealthy society that is. But because they also suffer because of injustice or sin or powerlessness. How much rejection, shame, hopelessness are they enduring? And then, and then along comes the landowner for the fourth time. 
And he offers work. He offers hope. He offers self-respect. For those who have journeyed in faith for many years, we do not know what shape our lives may have taken without our Christian faith. We do not know necessarily what impact our faith may have had on those we have met over the years. But this we do know, that we were sent as labourers into the harvest. But it may not be until we move on from this life and into eternity that we realise the impact we have had. But if we have truly sought to follow Jesus, have invited the Holy Spirit to draw us deeper and deeper into a relationship with the living God and to guide us through life's journey, then this passage tells us that we will have contributed to God's harvest. And what of those who identify with the later group? Those who are left behind until it's almost too late? Those who feel that life has dealt with them harshly or cruelly? God, in his compassion, says, welcome. You are welcome here. In me, you will find worth and value. You are valued by God. God does not discriminate. In God, there is release from the captivity of shame, freedom from the bondage of fear. Almighty God accepts you. There's a modern song, uh, 10,000 Reasons, and we're going to sing it in our later service, but I think many here might know it. And one of the verses says, The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass, and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As each new day begins, are we expecting, wanting the Holy Spirit to lead us into the harvest fields of our homes, our work, uh, the shops, or seeing neighbours? Are we singing praises and worship to our God as we go about our lives? Or are we so captivated by worldliness that we miss the prompt of the Holy Spirit which says, this is the way, this is the way to the harvest field. You might remember that some years ago, eight drug traffickers were executed in Indonesia. After years of appeals failed, they faced the fine firing squad. As they were executed, the seven who became Christians in prison sang that song. In the years before, in prison, they had ministered to others. They ministered the love of God in the harvest field of the prison. Society demanded and executed justice but God's justice was tempered by compassion and forgiveness. They knew his acceptance. They knew his forgiveness. And they lived out the calling he placed upon them and each one of us to be his witnesses. In prison, they helped gather the kingdom of God's harvesting. And one of them said before he was executed, when I got back to my cell, I said, God, I asked you to set me free, not kill me. God spoke to me and said, Andrew, I have set you free from the inside out. I have given you life. From that moment, I haven't stopped worshipping him. I have never sung before, never led worship until Jesus set me free. He really understood what freedom meant. And that is the same for each one of us, whether we come lately to him or whether we have been journeying with God for years. Thankfully, I don't think any of us will find ourselves in the position of those young men. But, and here's the truth we can take from this tale. 
In God's eyes, the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but that through Jesus we are redeemed. Our eternal punishment for our sins has been paid by Jesus, just as those young men were in prison. And it is through that lens, the lens of God's generosity, of truth, his authority, his character, his forgiveness, that we should interpret this parable, not through the lens of our worldly desires and expectations. Amen. Thank you, Ursula, very much indeed. And uh, lots there to think about, reflect on, and be challenged by. Uh, so thank you so much, Ursula. We're going to, <clears throat> as it were, respond in song. And remember, as Ursula said, that, that God has saved us. He has planted his uh, salvation in us. And uh, we sing this song, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe, to remind us that Jesus is the one who saves us by coming to this earth for us. So let's stand and sing together. slightly wrong at the end I think but I think we know what we're about to sing do have a seat and uh, we will join in some prayers 
And these intercessions uh, carry that theme forward of, of what we've been thinking about, of Jesus, who is both a judge and also full of compassion, calling us to look outwards. So let's pray. Lord our God, like the Israelites in the wilderness, we too have known your love. We too have experienced your care and provision. You call us to extend your love to the world around us, to care for others as deeply as we care for ourselves. And so we bring the needs of our world before you now. In your mercy, hear our prayers. Father, we pray for those who do not have what they need in order to survive. Those without enough food to eat or shelter to keep, to keep them warm. Those without employment or enough money to pay their bills. Those without access to medical care or medicine to keep them healthy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those who have more than enough to meet their needs but who continue to feel empty inside, who struggle to find meaning and purpose in life, who turn to alcohol, drugs, or other destructive behaviours to try and hide their pain, who may even entertain thoughts of suicide. Lord, in your mercy, <coughs> excuse me, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those who are struggling physically, for those who are battling life-threatening diseases or injuries, for those who are living with chronic pain or coping with Alzheimer's or dementia or facing death. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of the first and the last, and all those in between, your grace reaches out to all of us, lifelong believers or newcomers alike. You call us to live as citizens of heaven, to work together with one mind and one purpose, to reach out in love to those in need. Strengthen us, we pray, so that we might live in a manner worthy of the good news of the kingdom of God that we have received, offering our lives to the building up of your upside-down kingdom, where the last are first, and the first are last, and there is grace enough for us all. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer, praying all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Saviour and our Lord. Amen. And so we come to share the peace with each other, the peace that Jesus has won for us by dying on the cross and reconciling the world to himself and to each other. So may the peace of the Lord be with each of you. So it let's, in our normal uh, COVID-respecting way, let's share the peace with each other. We're going to use Eucharistic Prayer G. The Lord be with you. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, Lord God, our light and our salvation. To you be glory and praise forever. From the beginning you have created all things, and all your works echo the silent music of your praise. In the fullness of time you made us in your own image, the crown of all creation. You give us breath and speech, that with angels and archangels and all the powers of heaven, we may find a voice to sing your praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. How wonderful the works of your hands, O Lord. As a mother tenderly gathers her children, you embraced the people as your own. When they turned away and rebelled, your love remained steadfast. From them you raised up Jesus, our Saviour, born of Mary, to be the living bread in whom all our hungers are satisfied. He offered his life for sinners, and with a love stronger than death, he opened wide his arms on the cross. On the night before he died, he came to supper with his friends, and taking bread, he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Father, we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross. We remember his dying and rising again in glory. And we rejoice that he intercedes for us at your right hand. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us as we bring before you these gifts of your creation. May they be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy things in your presence, form us in the likeness of Christ and build us into a living temple to your glory. Bring us at the last with all the saints to the vision of that eternal splendor for which you have created us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise, blessing and honor and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, for we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. And so we share communion in our customary way. Uh, do come forward to the table, and then you'll be served wine at either side, and then take the uh, elements back to your seat, and we will all consume together.
the body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. And so we pray together this prayer following communion. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we sing our final hymn, our final song, which I think will summarize much of what we've been thinking about and praying through today. For the fruit of all creation, let's stand to sing together. And so a final prayer and blessing. Go out from here as workers in God's upside-down kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, where needs are met in miraculous ways, and there is grace enough for us all. And so may the blessing of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the presence of the Holy Spirit surround you, sustain you, and keep you in the coming days. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ.